Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler-heavy. You have been warned. Jennifer Albright. Today it's just going to be me and recurring guest Mike Rosen. How's it going, Mike? Hey, it's going well. Tell us what we're going to talk about today, Mike. We're going to talk about uh, a. We're, we're going to return to a uh, favored um, past uh, past subject of. Have you seen this? Um, a fellow named Jonathan King, uh, who we previously profiled in Vile Pervert, the musical. And tonight we're going to look at his follow-up film, Vile Pervert, uh, The Truth Awakens. Yes, like the, or, like the Force Awakens, but yeah. made by a convicted uh, sex offender. Yes, Th- this should actually be Vile Pervert, colon, uh, actually it's a febophilia. <laughs> Just like put that as a blanket disclaimer on everything that we're about to say, like every pedo joke that we make. Uh, just imagine someone pushing up their glasses and typing very angrily on Reddit, oh, actually it's a febophilia. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, sorry, I almost call him Jonathan Colton. Uh, Jonathan King. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that slander? <laughs> Can we not say that? <laughs> well, let's okay. Well, you know, let's 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 look at this logically. Who's who's made the world a worse place? Jonathan Definitely King. Jonathan Colton. Yeah, because Jonathan King might have like you know might be a chomo and have molested what like up to like what fifty kids or something, but at least his music is good. <laughs> Preach, that's true. His songs are uh, as many pop songs are very repetitive, but they weren't twenty verses about zombies. Yeah. So um, anyway, so yeah, that definitely Jonathan King better than Jonathan Colton. Um, <laughs> For those of our listeners who haven't listened to Vile Pervert the musical, should we explain, you know, who Jonathan King is and all that? Yeah, um the short version is that Jonathan King was in is still, I guess, a music impresario. Um he has been associated with bands like uh 10CC Bass City Rollers, most famously Genesis, uh, a band that he discovered in their embryonic form. Uh, when they were at public school. Uh, This was in the UK, of course. Um, And he's also produced and performed a lot of very catchy, well-performing, popular songs. Uh, And I guess he still continues to do that. Um, The reason that we're revisiting this topic is because... I was looking at the gossip site, uh, Crazy Days and Nights, which as some of you, some of you might know is, uh, it's been running for, geez, like about a decade now. Um, it's run by a mysterious person who goes by Enti and it tends to specialize in blind items and uh, more salaciously reveals of blind items. And one of those recent blinds was about Jonathan King and Simon Cowell uh, from of American Idol fame. Uh, and it reads thus, the convicted child molester slash child porn producer. Um, hmm. I don't know if that's. Oh, I don't know if yeah, that's I actually heard about that. true. Um, 
but you know, again, this is like a, a gossip site with a lot of salacious items. Anyway, the convicted child molester slash child porn producer who is best friends with the foreign born A-list mogul slash reality host is on social media, not even using a fake name and still trolling for anyone underage he can find. Now, Mike, how much of that could be described as libel potentially? <laughs> uh, probably all of it. I like the part though, where they're like, oh, foreign born. Oh, <laughs> Well, I think you can't that's, trust them foreigners. I think that's so. Um, I think that's to throw a little tidbit to the commenters because generally on the blinds, like they like to try to guess who it is, and so like, oh, foreign-born A-list mogul. Oh, like, ooh, like okay, so it's not an American. Like it's somebody from another country. So, but I mean, it, it is true that you can't trust foreigners because you know this, but... this show is about a foreigner. It's about Jonathan King, who's from the UK. Ergo, you cannot trust people from the United Kingdom. Well, yeah. I mean, we've we've learned that the hard way over and over again. <laughs> but um, Im, I should say, Mike, that you do actually have somewhat of a background in law, which is why, you know, jocularly I ask you about libel, but you, yeah. you, you do have a law degree. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, well, um, yeah, I... I, uh, I... <laughs> in the in the loosest sense of the term but um i i think well he I got it convicted. from a law school that's upstairs at a strip mall <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it in a cereal box um <laughs> but uh uh well he is a convicted child molester i guess so that's true that's yes, uh because he... Um, he was convicted in i think was it 2001 yes of, in um, 2001 he was convicted of offenses against underage victims for which he was sentenced to seven years he did half of that sentence right and after he came out he created vile pervert the musical to tell his side of the story yes which, which... i believe came out in 2008 uh came right. out meaning he posted it on youtube and the, the thing that i think is funny is that vile pervert the musical is posted on one account and the sequel is posted on a completely other separate account Oh, really? I didn't even notice like, that. Like, does he not know that when you have an account, you can post multiple tracks on it? Oh, or... Considering that, like, <laughs> half of Vile Pervert and its sequel are animated GIFs that look like they came out of, like, email forwards from my mom, <laughs> I don't think he's very tech-savvy. <laughs> no, like, he he really isn't. He's, like, your worst uncle who, like, posts, like, Minion, who posts Minion memes <laughs> on your Facebook wall. And... All of a sudden, he's learned iMovie, and he's really excited because he can, like, somehow put images from Google that he got a Google image search into the timeline and, like, make a little movie. Jonathan Colton is all, like, uh, I mean, Jonathan <laughs> King is all, uh, graphic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I was going to say, Jonathan King, uh, um, graphic design is his passion. Um, but he, he made this, this, the movie vile pervert basically to kind of, I guess, to exonerate himself to some degree. It was a very strange movie because his basic premise was, yes, I had sex with 14 to 16 year old boys, <laughs> but it was a sixties and that was the style at the time. Yeah. And... Essentially, I would say that his argument is, you know, among others that he puts forward in the original vile pervert is that, well, like, I, yes, I was a criminal, but it's because it was, like, same-sex offenses were criminal at the time, which is true. And 
everyone I had sex with uh, consented. You know, he kind of yes. leaves it um, vague as to whether they were underage or not. Like he he kind of equivocates by saying, well, you know, it was like these encounters were illegal because, again, they were same sex encounters or the age of consent was 21 at the time. So, yeah, which, you know, I've been like, oh, you know, he could have had sex with a, you know, 19 year old or he could have had sex with a 14 year old. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's um, but David uh, Bowie John did it. King. So who cares? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it is interesting. Another thing he keeps saying is like he basically points out that like, well, you know, um, uh, all these other people were having sex with underage girls and they're walking around free. But they throw the book at me for having sex with underage boys. What's up with that? And it's like. Yeah, you know, he's he's does have something of a point right there. So, yeah, and you know, it's and that's the thing about um sorry to interrupt you, but like I really want to emphasize that 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 is kind of an uncomfortable truth that we pointed out about the original Vile Pervert and I think it is also true of the sequel is that a lot of the time his arguments are not wrong when it comes to yeah. matters of um, when it comes to matters of the justice system, um, you know, who is who is persecuted or prosecuted and who isn't and right. the like. Yeah, he's yeah, it's one of the things like it's it's, you know, there, there are a lot of things that he says that he's he's not wrong, but it's it's just un yeah, it's very uncomfortable to, you know, it's very uncomfortable to be like, no, this <clears throat> chomo has a point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, because in his, um, you know, his stocking horses are institutions like the British press, which is notoriously terrible. Like, yeah. the British press is very bad. And what is frustrating about researching a lot of the material having to do with Jonathan King and stuff like that is, you know, the way that a lot of the, the articles are written... You know, especially if you're reading, um, you know, the tabloids that he was covered in, like, you know, The Sun and stuff like that. Like, they're all, they, you know, they tend to use, like, a lot of charged, like, emotional language. Um, Mike, uh, you also have a degree in journalism, do you not? So, do you, would you like to comment on the difference between the UK and the US press? Um... Yeah, apparently. Well, you know, the, since since uh, libel <clears throat> and slander laws are are different, I guess um, possibly uh, the British press is um, uh, they're they're a lot they're bolder, I guess you could say. Very um, much so. You know, like here in here in America, it's all like, oh, uh, you know, you have to put in like fifteen million equivocations, you know, and everything's <laughs> like, um, you know, they're they're used. Uh, racially tinged language you know <laughs> stuff like that whereas the uk you know half the the um you know the the court things are where he's in court well you know in america they speak alleged uh you know alleged um child toucher uh so and so <laughs> whereas in the uk i guess they can just say like um you know like uh kitty diddler yeah <laughs> or whatever you know they don't need to like wait for him to be convicted. Pervert. Yeah, they're like, what a scorcher! Wow, gotcha! Yeah, you know? and he does show um, a lot of... I guess he got screen caps a lot of a lot of uh, st stories of coverage of, you know, his uh, allegations and allegations made against people associated with him. And, you know, again, the language is, like, really charged. 
Yeah, also, I was looking at some of that, and I guess in his um, uh, court appearances, because, you know, Jonathan King is such a character, he, he went to court wearing a suit, but, like, these fancy, like, kind of, like, colorful, like, sneakers mm-hmm. and a fanny pack, which apparently in England they call a bum bag. Yeah, because is- I, I believe that in um, the UK and her... Um territories is a fanny is means a pussy <laughs> yeah but that makes more sense because you actually do wear it over your pussy well but in the states like fanny means ass so yeah but i mean it... neither in america nor in england do you actually wear a fanny pack over your ass so it really <laughs> makes no sense to call it that and bum bag sounds disgusting and i hate it um <laughs> that, that has nothing to do with anything i just i just feel very strong but yeah anyway yeah yeah so a lot of a lot of um coverage of this because you know he's a famous guy apparently in some circles um so uh they're very big on that celebrity like tabloid thing over there and i guess over here too but i don't i i don't know i think salacious coverage of celebrities is certainly a thing that happens both here and abroad um but maybe in the uk uh, publications tend to be a little more overt, but, yeah. you know, like, um, you know, because like, you don't see like in the States, you don't see people like reading, like just, you know, on public transportation, reading like the globe or like the Inquirer, you know, but yeah, if you go to the UK, like, you know, I've been to London and other places in the UK and, you know, people will be like on the tube reading the sun, you know, or whatever. Um, I do think it's funny that um, he calls the Daily Mail the the best, but also the nastiest paper in Britain. I think I've seen a Daily Mail online, and I mostly remember that it's scared of like kids in hoodies, and <laughs> also that um, there's lots and lots of articles of extremely fat people, like you know, like <laughs> you know, like it's like, oh my God, half ton mum. You know, she uses her dole money to buy chips, like stuff like that. I mean, apparently that's like a big thing over there. So um, I like yeah, this. I like the Daily Mail for that. It is. It is kind. It is kind of a reactionary paper. I would argue. Um, I think they they cover a lot of the same um, fearful topics that say Fox News would cover. Okay. Um, yeah. Make that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that that seems to be what that seems to be what I've gathered from my limited interaction with him as well. Yeah, because uh, I come across male um, articles a lot when I'm reading about true crime. Like hmm. they really love covering absolutely ghastly crimes. Yeah, they will tell you the true story of Harold Shipman. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, actually, according to Jonathan King, Shipman was innocent. What? Which is. We and we talked about this in in the vile pervert episode. Like that is insane. Yeah, that is a really that is yeah. It's it's well the thing about Jonathan King is I feel like he's kind of um you know he's he's um he's so single minded in his quest that he he doesn't really <laughs> seem to see a lot of the he doesn't really oh, he's he's very focused uh, to the point where he does not seem to do a lot of. Uh, research into this and and does not seem to care what hill he dies on um (laughs) well yeah because like when you're going to bat for harold shipman and jimmy savile 
Yeah, yeah. It's like that. Like it literally in the movie, he describes Savile as merely rather eccentric. I like that part because he says, like, he said that this this uh, this guy was the worst pedophile in all history and rather just an eccentric DJ. And I actually like had to pause the movie and like look up who the photo he showed was just just to <laughs> confirm it. Actually, because I was like, you're like, am I seeing about... this? <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's not actually talking about Jimmy Savile, is he? Let me look up this photo just to be 100 percent sure that he's actually saying this. And I was like, oh, yep. Uh, and then later in the movie, I believe he actually does say the name so yes um which just in case yeah and Um, again like to you know to give credit to the vile pervert himself um in it would seem or my impression in reading about um you know a lot of these police operations that he covers in the in the movie is that you know in a lot of cases they did catch actual predators and in a lot of cases probably by being overzealous they overstepped and either you know accused people who were not habitual predators or you know people or they just made errors in the investigation so it would seem that there is a lot of legitimate criticism of the police to be made so he's not wrong there but you know it's like okay So this one MP that they went after, like, they didn't really have a case, and they harassed the guy, and, you know, he didn't deserve it. But, like, Jimmy Savile, like, there was a lot of documentation of that guy being, like, a predator of the absolute worst kind. Like, again, the kind of person who is like, oh, I'm going to do charity work, not because... I am filled with the milk of human kindness. It's because you can meet a lot of vulnerable young people in hospitals and, and you know, homes for troubled youths. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and that's the thing is like, yeah, and uh, Jonathan King is, is uh, he's, <sighs> really? <laughs> I'm just like, it's like, that was the best example you could think of someone being wronged by the media was Jimmy Savile. Oh. God, um, I don't think he mentions Jimmy Savile in the original Vile Pervert movie, uh, but this one he he does bring him up several times. Yeah. Um, and actually, I guess we should should we mention that uh, I guess the original Vile Pervert came out because of that original case, but it seems like there were additional legal trouble since then. Well, and- yeah, I think what motivated him to make this is, um, and this is it's it's very complicated and he alludes to a lot of this stuff in the film uh very quickly without like really explicating this stuff and it's even more um and it ends up being even more confusing if you're watching in the u.s you know because we don't get coverage of a lot of this stuff uh, over here um now he was nabbed as part of uh, what was called um Operation Arundel, which uh, that was an investigation by the Surrey police. Um, this grew out of Operation U-Tree, which was uh, by the Metropolitan Police in London, um, which was looking into four decades of allegations about Jimmy Savile and people who were associated with him. Uh, Oper- operation U-Tree is the big one, and it's the one that you might have heard of if you're if you're in the U.S. Um, so. 
and I think because, you know, and this is, this is where it, it all gets murky, you know, and like, I think it is true that, you know, birds of a feather stick together. And if you're like, if you're a celebrity who's interested in like underage tale, like you're going to tend to gravitate towards other people who are also interested in underage tale. So, uh, naturally in investigating Savile, they started, you know, um, casting a wider net, which led to Operation Arendelle, um, which was based on looking into people associated with the Walton Hop Disco. Um, the person who opened the Walton Hop Disco was a guy named uh, Dennis Corday, who opened it in 1958, and he's actually in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Giving That's... giving his own um, evidence, and, is, and it is literally the most, so I tied an onion to my belt, like, old yeah. guy rambling story. Um, but, <laughs> so, um, but we'll get to him. Um, so... You know, um, Jonathan King was nabbed in 2001. He went up for several charges of, like, indecent assault. And I, I can't believe they still call it buggery. But, I mean, I guess mm -hmm. this is the UK. <laughs> um, but it yeah. was indecent assault, buggery, and attempted buggery against five youths aged 14 to 16 between 1983 and 1989. And the thing is, with all these different operations, these are looking into let's say like historical allegations like these are going decades back um and like as a result um there was a later investigation in which uh they decided to try to nail jonathan king again and um this one like i might need your help with mike because i'm not exactly sure like why i know that that the charges were dropped and he was not tried because the police screwed up the investigation. But I was having a hard time, like, understanding, like, what went wrong. Yeah, um, I did look into this a little bit. And, you know, again, I'm not an expert. It seems there's, there's a lot going on there. Um, but a couple things that happened is it sounds like uh, during the investigation, the cops uh, acquired over, like, 2,000 pages of, like, documents Mm -hmm. uh, in evidence against, um, or relating to Jonathan King. And, uh, probably because, you know, that's a lot of pages. That's a lot of reading. Instead of actually reading it, they just did a keyword search, uh, which <laughs> meant that there's a lot of stuff in there that they actually missed. Um, uh, apparently they missed or failed to inform the court of several things, including that, um, let's see, uh, that they knew that there were discrepancies in witness testimony, uh, and apparently they also knew of an investigation by someone uh, someone who's called an auth author, Bob Wolfenden. I, I don't know who that is. But apparently this investigation revealed that the uh, victim was in another country at the time that uh, uh, he said that he was uh, with um, uh, King. Right. And apparently also there were some, let's see, uh, the police also failed to... Uh, Oh, um, there was also a 2014 Merseyside police uh, that criticized uh, the police in Operation Arendelle for um, leading witnesses, and that report was not made available to King's lawyers in time. Ah. So 
lots of little things like that apparently enough that the judge just basically like threw it all out which is funny because then then it sounds like basically what happened was the judge who said like yeah the police fucked up so this could not be a fair trial so I'm just throwing it all out and uh, Jonathan King goes on Twitter and says I am declared not guilty <laughs> and, uh, I don't I don't think that actually happened I don't think you've been declared not guilty I think you got out on a um, but you know he's not exactly a guy. He's not exactly a guy that we've seen is is um, you know good with details. So. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, um, there was really no trial, so he couldn't be declared not guilty. So it's just that they the police screwed up so bad that they couldn't act. They couldn't either adequately make a case or like try him fairly. And so, and this was yeah. in. Uh, this was as recent as 2018. I think he was arrested in 2015. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, the legal system in, you know, the United Kingdom being, you know, similar to the U.S., like things move kind of slowly. So as late as 2018, uh, the police apologized and they said that they weren't going to retry him. Okay, so taking all that in mind, like, again, in putting this into the the not wrong category, uh, the not wrong department of Mad Magazine, um, there were <laughs> serious mistakes made by the police. So Jonathan King is actually correct to point this out. Yes, and since he was um, in his in his own mind exonerated, he <laughs> took to YouTube to spread the word in the thrilling sequel, Vile Pervert, The Truth Awakens. Yes, which I guess is based on, he based the title on Force Awakens because it opens with a Star Wars style uh, crawl. Yeah, well, oh my God, he's the oldest man in the world. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know what? Okay, so first of all, I, I wanna say the original Vile Pervert is very entertaining. It's not a good movie, but <laughs> it's fun. The original really does have this, like, kind of, like, bravura insanity that, again, while not being a good movie, is at least somewhat watchable. I mean, it, you know, it opens with him, like, flashing the camera. You know, he plays, like, Oscar <laughs> Wilde and, like, all these different characters in it. He puts in a bunch of songs done by his protégés, and this is a little bit of a pale imitation it's mostly him just talking and like like just reciting what happened and then he'll say like oh i'm sorry am i boring you this is supposed to be fun and i feel like i'm just lecturing you well let me lecture you some more and it's like well dude it is boring put in some fucking music i mean yeah he says he says like several times he's like oh like i know what you're thinking you're bored or you think this doesn't matter well this movie is supposed to be entertaining and it's like well like it's not no, you know, it was actually it's, like a he. It's like an hour and a half, and it's a huge slog to watch. And it, it's it doesn't help that I already like just think this guy is gross. Like yeah, it's yeah. just really hard to watch. Well, yeah, he's he's kind of you know he he looks like a turtle man from uh, Master of Disguise. So yeah, he's pretty <laughs> gross. Um, but the, this and this a movie, part, like yeah, there's like in the original yeah, there's a part where um. He, because like a huge chunk in the middle of the movie is apparently like his vacation footage and photographs from Morocco. Yeah, what the fuck? And um, 
he has footage of himself like going into like a hotel pool and he puts a caption over that says I look like a boiled egg in a condom or excuse me I should say condom because this is the UK oh that's right yeah it's like okay you know a little bit of self-deprecating humor but (laughs) not enough well my favorite part of his Morocco vacation which does not make is not connected with anything apparently he just wanted to show us his you know vacation snaps um the bit where he shows that meal where it's like he's like ah it's 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 ham and cheese and a homemade hot dog bun and it's like okay thank, <laughs> like, thanks you for... don't go and eat moroccan food yeah it's like well, it's, well you know it's like... but but this is the funny thing because as soon as like as soon as he said morocco and marrakesh i was like wait a minute oh shit yeah like okay so Yes, like, like, isn't there a Crosby, Stills, and Nash song called Marrakesh or something? Oh, is there? I, yeah, I, I think you might, I think you might more, be right. That's more of a question for your wife. Anyway, um, you know, Marrakesh is is kind of known as like a hippie destination. Like it was, it's, it was, and is very popular because it's, you know, it's close. It, you know, yeah, it's in Africa, but it's close to Europe. But it also has some notoriety as a place Mm. for sex tourism and I was like am I like you know I don't want to I was like I don't want to say anything that might not be true so you know I just (laughs) I googled literally the phrase is Morocco a haven for sex tourists and the first result when you google that phrase is a 2013 Vice article titled Moroccans are sick of their country's pedophile problem (laughs) 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 and Yes, like it has been, and you know, I'm going, I absolutely must take pains to distinguish between the two. Um, It has also been, in spite of the fact that homosexuality is illegal there, it has also been somewhat of a haven for queer tourists, um, historically, and I'm sure that that is still true. And of course, if, you know, and... You know, Jonathan King says, especially in Vile Pervert, he's like, you know, he definitely plays with the fact, like, yes, I'm gay, you know, blah, blah. Um, and yes, I, I was, I was, per- I was persecuted because I'm, I'm gay and blah, blah, blah. And yes, I've had same sex encounters. And, you know, and obviously, like, that's fine. But, you know, in, in the queer community, as there is in the, the straight community, there is going to be a subset of, sexual predators and hence <laughs> yeah i'm just saying yeah well it's funny because now that you mentioned it's like you're right like setting set it showing us his vacation in morocco isn't really helping his case yeah but like it's it's kind of like if you said here's my here's some photos from my vacation in international waters <laughs> Here's here's uh here's my meal of like uh cheese and cheese and ham on a homemade hot dog bun, which I'm totally not preparing for a small child off camera. Oh God, <laughs> Jesus! I mean, seriously, that that's the sort of thing that's like oh beans on toast. I mean, isn't that a thing like British children eat? You know, just ham and cheese on a hot dog bun. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's Jonathan Jonathan King's Moroccan vacation. Uh, he shows us a bunch of you know clips of him like looking at a cannon and then he he does play some music but he talks over most of it this really got to me like watching the movie is that the guy is and was 
a music producer, like for literal decades, his career started in the 60s. So why is he so bad at mixing audio? Oh, God, it's the worst. Terrible. Like, okay, like I get that he wants us to hear the music that he's made, but it's like he mixes it at like an equal volume with narration. And yeah. it's really like there was there was one scene where he's talking to the camera and the, he this really again really repetitive pop song fades in and I wanted to like rip my hair out cuz it was so it was so grating it was almost like it was it I would think with anyone else it was calculated to like make you go insane <laughs> but it's like he just doesn't mix the audio correctly he's like dude how do you not know to do that is it because you know like I don't, I don't know maybe if he made the movie like on a on a big ass mixing board you know like he would have been he would have been able to do it but you know he seems to only have like basic computer skills yeah well, which isn't surprising because he's in his 70s but like like you didn't like, I'm not saying you have to learn, like, Pro Tools or anything, dude, but, like, Jesus well, Christ. Like, just, can't you just, like, duck the audio a little bit when you're talking? Yeah. Or just, like, stop talking when the music starts. Because he clearly, it's like, he's saying, like, oh, here's some music so you can have fun. But I'm not going to stop talking ever. And it's like, God, <laughs> I, I, I just want to hear, um, you know, I want to hear some, I, I can't understand what Johnny Reggae there is saying when you keep <gasps> talking. So, oh, my God. It's, it's, um, it's, it's maddening. Uh, and this one's interesting because in the in Vile Pervert, you know, he had a lot of music. Um, yeah, you know, like you said, both him and his proteges. This one, not so much. And he seems very obsessed with the fact that he cannot get any country to take one of his songs for Eurovision. Yeah, he he is really bitter about not getting on Eurovision. And <laughs> because it, he keeps mentioning, he's like, oh, here's another song that I wrote for Eurovision that wasn't accepted. And they're not really that good, though. Um, I mean, that, they're fine for, like, by Eurovision standards, you know, because, like, nobody nobody writes the... You don't write the good shit for Eurovision. Well, yeah, but they're, they're fine for Eurovision standards, but for Jonathan King standards, they're not that good. <laughs> I mean, I was... Come on. They do not hand, stand up at all to uh, quality stuff like the originals, um, you know... The Silver Stoat. The Silver Stoat, exactly. They, <laughs> there's no standout in this one. I did not hear any Silver Stoat. Uh, there was no... Um, Agatha Christie te- ca- talent competition in heaven or whatever the fuck that one was about. Oh yeah, the 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 heavenly talent competition. That's or that's the one. It was. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Um, so I was the just one... like, yeah, the one there was one that in this one that just like I was like God, like I just want to turn this the fuck off right now. It's a song about, as he describes it, the worst thing that can happen to a young lady. Oh she's no, lost her phone. Yeah, I remember that one. It's, I lost my phone. I can't go home. I lost my phone. It's like, oh, God. And then just... and then part of the chorus is just going, me, 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 me. It's like, oh, uh, he, Jonathan, Jonathan King really sticks it to those millennials. Yeah, like, well, yeah, this is, this is, like, an, this is an, the creed de coeur of an old man. And <laughs> it, it really does, I mean, you know, we joked about, it's seeming like you know some kind of hellish video forward like from your grandpa or something but a lot of the themes that he gets to or you know they are these these very reactionary themes like and one of the biggest is that 
tendency of reactionaries to decry victimhood while also wallowing in it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's big in that. He's huge. Like, be- that. Yeah, like um, you know, and they, and you know, this gets put onto boomers a lot, but you know, I. You know, it's just it's just people who tend to be conservative. You know, the kind of people who tend to, who say like, "Oh, political correctness has gone mad." Like it's just like a trope that you say. You yeah. know, like just saying we've said it so much, it must be true. Political correctness gone mad. He and the way he puts it is the world seems to have gone bonkers. Oh yeah, in the opening title uh, scroll, he has that. You know, yeah. which is great. I love that title scroll because um, it was full of like extreme old man humor. You know, the kind of thing where he was like, because he, he says in it like, there were there was once upon a time, there was a planet called Earth. And the inhabitants of Earth, at least in their own minds, were humans. And it's like, oh! Oh, he oh. sure stuck it to the human race there. But it's like, that's, it's such, a, like, that is such an old person joke. Like, oh, wow, that's, that's great. And then he says, then he goes on, but they were all bonkers. Oh, they've all gone crazy. And I just love the, 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 the that intro because it just sets it up where john king coming in and basically saying i have suffered more than any human being in all of recorded history no one has ever been as wronged as i have even in hell my suffering is legendary um so yeah and that's definitely um and you see that tendency again on uh conservative media or like you know, like really terrible email forwards or like your stupider friends on Facebook where you're like, you know, everything's like so crazy now. And, um, you know, they really like to, and the, the tendency is again, like going off the victimhood thing is to accuse everyone and, you know, including, you know, alleged sexual abuse victims of, being whiners yes. and crybabies while yourself being the biggest crybaby on earth and yeah. oftentimes like co-op co-opting the language of what they think of as victimhood yeah well i mean and he does that like you know two extremes here or he he basically you know he does fill out the bingo card for this sort of thing he even <laughs> gets into that whole like think of all the you know Think of all the uh, the potential that's been wasted by people who've lost their careers because they've been accused of this. Um, there's one point which is which is weird for this particular set of allegations because it, for the most part, the people he talks about in the movie are people who are like way past retirement. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, his friend Dennis Corday, like you know, the, the guy got hauled out down to talk to the police at the age of like 85 or 86 yeah yeah um but there's one person i i wrote down in my notes i don't know who who this person is and i i forget the context but he was going on about someone called chad evans yeah who i believe is what uh they call over there a footballer okay because he says he was because i just wrote here chad evans got his football career ruined wow so um, I guess he was going on about him, like, you know, getting accused, and now he can't play the footy. I think he's still playing, though. Oh, well. And I think I think that there was some, uh... Wait a minute, are you, you know... saying that there's actually no consequences for being accused <laughs> of sexual assault? I mean, you know, to be, like, scrupulously fair, I believe that there was an, an investigation, um, and the charges, 
um, you know, I'm being irresponsible by not looking it up, but like, suffice to say, the charges did not go ahead. They were either dropped or he was acquitted. It was England, so the investigation was just the Bobby barging in and yelling, "What's all this here now?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and again, like, to be fair, like a lot of these, um, a lot of these police operations seem to have been like fairly shoddy, and the thing that kept occurring to me as I was watching is that okay like yeah like you nabbed an a guy in his mid 80s who owned a disco at which some shady shit might have gone down like some older guys might have picked up some teenagers um which of course is wrong but like what good does it do like 50 years after the fact you know like these crimes are not being prevented or addressed at the time. Yeah. And that was the other thing that kept occurring to me was that, you know, I wondered if the overzealousness of the police was maybe, you know, an overcorrection in response to like the tardiness of the investigation, because they looked at four decades of allegations against Jimmy Savile. Um, I read a little bit about Operation Dew Tree, and the thing is, is that the Surrey police were tipped off by journalists in 2003 and they admitted that they did nothing at the time. Mm. Um, additionally, this Savile was kind of a case of, you know, he was a bit of a Harvey Weinstein and that, you know, it was almost a running joke. Um, yeah. and there was like a, I guess maybe he was what has been called on the internet, a missing stare, you know, where nobody speaks, overtly about the danger presented by this person but you know there is a whisper network and you know oh well everyone just knew yeah but nobody ever did anything about it based on things that have happened in the u.s you know for example um allegations against people like uh jeffrey epstein and people like that like i believe that it is actually true that yes there are often powerful celebrities who are able to procure you know, young people for like all kinds of depraved acts because that's what money and power gets you. You know, like you're, you either lose any sense of morality or you didn't have it in the first place and you have the money and resources to get whatever you want. And, you know, like the, the corridors of power, like, you know, that's a very great fac uh, facilitator for these kinds of things. So, you know, maybe the police in the UK were like, oh shit, like, well, we didn't do anything 30 years ago, but, uh, like, we're gonna prove that we're really doing something about it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also, I think, uh, it, it kind of, like, in, on the same, on the same page, a lot of it just seems to be like, well, we're not gonna do anything when they're at the height of their power, but yes. now that they're, like, old and they're not really a threat anymore to, not, not that they're not a threat to children, <clears throat> but not a threat to you know, the they, they can't pull any strings to get out of it. Now we'll go after them. Kind of like how Bill Cosby like raped women for like 40 years. And they're like, well, now mm -hmm. that he's 80 years old and he's not producing content anymore, we feel okay <laughs> about actually like taking him down, you know? Um, so, yeah. you know, I think it, that might play a part in it as well. But um, yeah, it's, it, but it is, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things to think about in this. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, I'm not like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to like speak for, for, you know any any victims here because i'm sure that 
you know, they would like to get like any kind of justice, but you know, this kind of like, you know, like ice cold justice, you know, yeah. served up like, but, you know, and you know, to be fair, a lot of them, you know, um, and this is what often makes, uh, abuse allegations, um, very difficult to prosecute is that, you know, people don't come forward because they're frightened or they, you know, they're not able to yeah for whatever reason you know they're embarrassed or you know so you know and it's understandable why people don't come forward like out of fear or shame or whatever but then you know 30 years later like things are going to be even harder to prove yeah yeah ah well um <laughs> So that's that 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 explains some of the missteps done by the CBS. You know, the cunning but stupid, uh, as Jonathan <laughs> King calls them. Yes, uh, they, they, a witty guy. Yeah, he's he's he's. Oh, I just love it. Grandpa. You're so funny. Yeah, it's like, hey, next he's gonna be like, hey, how what happens when a bird flies into a fan? <laughs> Shredded tweets. Um, but uh, one thing I did want to talk Thanks, about Grandpa. is um, this one, as opposed to uh, Vile Pervert, The Truth Awakens, um, as opposed to just Vile Pervert, The Musical, it does include actual interviews. Um, yes. So uh, especially with our that one fellow, Dennis Corday? Dennis Corday. Corday. Wait, Dennis, Dennis Cord- Cord- Wasn't he on like Saturday Night Live? No. <laughs> Isn't he like a – he's a bald guy on – bald comedian – no, like a Daily Show guy, wasn't he? No, 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 no. You're thinking of Rob Corddry. Oh, okay. All <laughs> who's right. also not a pedophile. As far as we know. Jonathan Colton and Rob Corddry, as far as we know, are not pedophiles. Well, yeah, yeah. Also, this Dennis Corday guy is way – like, again, he was like – I think he just died, like, this year. Yeah. And the – problematic disco that he founded which was a disco um aimed specifically at teenagers uh, 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 one second uh remember no alcohol was served there only coffee and coke <laughs> i i would i i want to know i would like to know coffee how... and coke so it wasn't a mormon disco yeah i'm cur- right. curious how how much you believe that to be true uh cause... i did like i yeah, I mean, like, okay, like, a, a disco for teenagers, like, mm. founded by a guy who is friends with people who ha- who may or may not have a predilection for young people. Right. Like, is and it's one of those things where, you know, these things... A lot of the things that they're talking about in this, in True the Wagons, like, you can't prove it in court, and so, you know, there's no legal recourse. It's not a right to convict people without evidence, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, I guess, I don't know if you call it, like, circumstantial evidence, but it's one of those things where you, like, you, as you accumulate the information, like, it starts to draw a picture for you. Yeah, And so... Like, to that end, I think what I'm going to have to do is, um, when we post this show, I want to post uh, one of the interviews that Jonathan King did, like, after he was released, where, you know, just, like, the way that he comes across is just, like, because you, you watch, like, Vile Pervert and True the Wagons, you're like, hey, you know, that, that sounds, like, really serious. It sounds like the police, like, 
really overstepped and, you know, these allegations couldn't be proved. So it sounds like, you know, the guy could be innocent. And then you read the man's words himself Mm. and you're like, Jesus Christ, I would not, I wouldn't trust this guy with any young person. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause yeah, he does present in this a very, um, well, I mean, he's presenting his, his case. Of course it's biased, but there's a lot of stuff in here that like, um, you know, if this was anything other than like, uh, you know, some guy's YouTube screed, you'd be like, well, that's really disingenuous. Like what in the beginning when he talks about the cops busting his door down and mm-hmm. he shows all this footage of like, you know, SWAT team guys breaking in. And, and for a second I thought like it was actual footage and I was like, Jesus Christ. And then I was like, wait, no, he's just showing random footage of this and dubbing in like them going, Hey, Poof, you queer pervert. Just like, yeah. and I was like, wait a second, this isn't the real thing. Like, oh no, it's totally, it's totally along the line of um, Errol Morris doing reenactments <laughs> in Thin Blue Line. It's fine. It's totally fine. Also, uh, that scene. Then he's like lying in bed, and he's like, oh no, there are lots of like, um, what does he call them? Like studs or something in my room. He, uh, he's got some weird word that I guess means SWAT team guys in England. I don't know. Oh, I missed that. But um, I just remember him saying that he was like, I guess he sleeps nude because they yeah. dragged him out of bed naked. <laughs> However, not only... Which again he... is not a crime. No, he sleeps nude, but he wears two watches. Uh, like I in that, that too. Yeah, in that scene, he's got two, one on each arm. It's like he's fucking Tommy Wiseau or something. It's weird. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, I was just noticed. I was like, huh, okay. Um, now... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but anyway, sorry. No, you go on. Well, I was going to say, um, it does beg the question of why they had to break down his door to arrest him. He does show a photo of what looks like the marks of a battering ram yeah. on his door, which, and again, I think most of us, or all of us should, I think that all of us should have qualms about the militarization of the police. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. (laughs) It's very good. Don't worry about it at all. (laughs) Not just in the UK, but, you know, certainly in the US, you know, where the police have a lot of heavy firepower and, you know, they tend to be often very violent and apprehending people. Hey, hey, if you didn't do anything wrong, you got nothing to fear. (laughs) (laughs) Blue lives matter. Well, apparently Jonathan King didn't do anything wrong and like it turned out he did something to fear. So, you know, well, it makes you think. The same goes for Jonathan Colton. He's done nothing wrong, so what's he got to worry about? Well, yeah, Jonathan Colton has, yeah, well, he hasn't done anything wrong um, that can be prosecuted yet, except <laughs> crimes against... Um, music. Music, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and crimes against comedy. <laughs> so, you know, that's on two counts. You should... You should if there was any justice in the world, he'd be at the Hague, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I personally believe that filk should be a prosecutable offense. Filk should be, a, yeah, crime against humanity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, seriously. Like, it like, should be mentioned in the Geneva Convention. Yeah, it's like, um, when when it, it should be, um, you know, right up there, like, lo, uh, lolcat, what is it, all lol together, uh, the lolcat song should be up there with mustard gas and prohibited... Um, <laughs> tools of war <laughs> um but anyway, we were talking about dennis corduroy uh, yeah dennis dennis corday corday who you assumed was a completely innocent person who used to be on the daily show yeah. 
Well, I was a little confused at first who, who, who this guy was because, you know, he does, like you said, tell that rambling story about um, basically the cops coming in interviewing him. Yeah, well, and the story is real. I don't, maybe it might just be me, um, but I did find the story incredibly confusing, and I don't know if it was just the fact that it's this rambling old guy telling it, you know, R.I.P., but I think he was he was talking about being interviewed by the cops, and then he and then he alleges that uh, journalists kept coming to him and offering him money. Yeah. To uh, either spill the beans on some people who may have been at such and such a party or orgy or whatever. Right. Or um, they also offered him money uh, for letters that he received from Jonathan King while the latter was in prison. And right. um Corday says that, you know, he makes it very dramatic. He's like, well, you know, I did think about like taking the money, but then I decided that, that would be morally wrong. No, 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 well you're missing the part where where he was like, Oh, I, I I need to take the money, but then like the clouds opened and a core a choir of angels came down and like they told him like Dennis, don't do it and he was like <laughs> And he was like, "You're right." Um, and and he 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 says like, "Yeah," because this feeling came over him, and he's like, "Like an angel touching me," like like you know, and yeah, uh, so like the magic of white dicks touching, you know. So um, he's uh... so he slapped the little devil off his shoulder and said, "No, I'm not going to take your your dirty journalist money." Like literally, hot stuff. The devil from Casper was like, "Little devil in a diaper was like, do it, go on, take the money, do it, Dennis." And- you know, again, these are, um, I would say that, um, and you know, Mike, as someone with a degree in, in journalism, like, would you say that it is a severe breach of journalistic ethics to offer somebody money to say something which may not be true for a story? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, now, <laughs> I, my understanding is in England, it's common practice to pay sources but is. that is not a thing that happens in America. You basically I did not know that about the UK. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I've read apparently that this is um, there, it's not just the UK, but like it's actually from what I read somewhere, it's common practice like in Japan as well to pay sources or pay people for interviews. Whereas in oh. the states, we don't do that because you get free publicity when you do an interview. So that's that's your payment right there. But um, oh, okay. apparently in England, because it was great, the story that Dennis Corduroy was was Corday was telling, <laughs> where like these these uh, like the different newspapers are all like, "We'll give you a million dollars." Yeah, and he's like, "No, no, please!" And like, well, two million dollars." <laughs> and um, I like the one newspaper editor who comes in and is like, "I hate gay people. I want to destroy every gay person. I want you to lie so that I can destroy gay people." You know, it's like, oh, it's really, it's really great that he's so upfront about his like, you know, prejudices to like just blurt it out right to this random old guy. You know. Uh, well, yeah, and the thing is, is like he would be, um, like if that's true, he was saying this to an out gay man. Oh, that's right. Because I believe that it was, you know, certainly, you know, at the, you know, at the time it might have been one of those like unspoken truths, you know, during the, 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 the Walton Hop disco days that, oh, it was run by this, uh, this harmless old queen, you know, yeah. but, you know, people didn't say that, you know, it's just like, oh, it was a bit odd. Yeah. Um, and then I think 
probably later on it's like, yeah, he's gay. You know, nobody fucking cares. So if you're like the mean old homophobic editor of a publication, like you're really going to be like, hey, gay man, I want to destroy gay people. Will you help me? <laughs> yeah. It's like, huh. Um, but uh, that whole thing, yeah, so it goes on for a while, you know, of, of um, uh, all this. And, and this is where uh, they they also want not only dirt on Jonathan King, they want dirt on Simon Cowell as well. And, is is uh, Simon Cowell out gay? I, I'm, no, he's okay. not. He's not gay. Like, okay. um, as far as I've seen, you know, in the days of reading, oh no, they didn't or whatever. Like he was, he always dated women. Mm. The yeah. perfect cover, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, there are a lot of, um, and there are a couple of mentions of people known in the United Kingdom who were, we'll say, because that was the impression at the time, were tarred with the gay label, but may have just been ace. Yeah. Um, oh. or ace, I, I'll say asexual, um, which might be true of, uh, he mentions uh, Cliff, Sir Cliff Richard, and um, he mentions former Prime Minister Edward Heath, who really does seem to have been just completely disinterested in sex. Oh, that's right, because didn't Jonathan King write an article saying that he thought that Heath was um, asexual? Yeah, and it's funny the way he put it because he says, "Oh, like, um, like I know, I know that he was asexual because like I hit on him, I tried really hard to seduce him, and he just like wasn't interested." And then at the end of the article, he says, "Oh, you know, I may not have been his type, but like I really think that he was asexual." Well, that seems like Jonathan King sort of thing to say. It's like, well, clearly if he didn't want me, Simon Cowell though, and this this is actually interesting because they kind of dance around it for a little while in this one about they they never they don't mention him by name they just kind of say like another celebrity and then they show his photo um which is what they did in vile pervert as well but then like 10 minutes later um so dennis just blurts it out i like that part because uh uh corday mentions that you know he hadn't met simon cowell but he says that he likes him now because quote unquote he got to know him on television <laughs> <laughs> oh god but I you just... know nobody on tv could be bad yeah i love that because it's like it's it is such a fucking wow, old man thing you know <laughs> i mean it's like it's it's a thing that like it's 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 what in one sense it was a little depressing to think like this guy who is like 86 years old and had, who has spent his entire life in entertainment and around yeah. people who work in this business and yet he too is all like i saw someone on tv and they seem nice so i like them now it's like he still can't get that the difference between like acting you know it's like yeah and the thing is is that you know like delving into the the history of the the walton hop disco a little bit um Corday says that you know in his own defense that yeah like if you run a disco for teenagers you're gonna get you know, people who are opportunists coming around, and I actually threw a few people out. You know, older people who are trying to pick up the teenagers. So the guy knows what goes on. Yeah. But he's still friends with Jonathan King. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the whole yeah, and the whole thing was very yeah. The whole um, well, him with the the Simon Cowell being like, I saw him on the telly, and I like him now. And it's like, well, he's obviously not. I mean, of course, he's friends with Jonathan King. This guy isn't exactly like you know 
uh, discerning when it comes to friends. <laughs> he's, he's like, Simon Cowell is my friend because I saw him on the telly. You know, um, but then it's um, uh, I do like the part because I wrote this down where he was talking about how he rejected the money. And yeah. uh, two things is one, I like the quote where he says, you have to understand, Jonathan, I was in a very strange world that day. And I just really like that line. <laughs> I want to start saying that in daily life. <laughs> Um, the next time, the next time your wife gets mad at you about something, just be like, "I was in a very strange world that day." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Next time that I, next time that I start a disco for exclusively for fat women, and <laughs> then the press comes and offers me money to like tattle on my good friend, uh, uh, celebrity Jonathan who Colton, is, who is. Jonathan Colton, <laughs> and, and I'll be like, I was gonna take the money, but then I slapped away hot stuff, and I it was in a very strange world that day. <laughs> I love the idea of somebody like trying to seduce you by plying you with like fat woman porn. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be like, Hey, isn't it great how those uh they stick their uh their other hands between those rolls? Yeah, maybe we should try doing that with each other. <laughs> It's like, it's like just some like older guy like saying like, "Hey, like uh, check out this copy of Pick Fold and Fuck It." Like, oh, now like, uh, and you're like, "Yeah, sure, I'll give you a handy for that." Oh yeah, yeah, you know, stand. Yeah, you know, fair's fair. Ah, um. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I really, I really love joking about the grooming of minor children. Well, you know, if you can't joke about like that, what can you joke about? Exactly. Political correctness. It's just gone mad, I tell you. The just world mad. is bonkers today. It's bonkers. Um, I also, oh, I have to say also like when, you know, he told, when he came out, when he got his, when Dennis Corduroy got his moral fortitude, you know, like yeah. he, he got the strength to stand up and say, no, get out of my house, you blood-sucking vultures. And all the newspaper men were like, we'll get you next. You know, they all like left. And he was all like, none of them said goodbye. That makes me very mad. It makes me very cross. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, oh, people, they're just so rude nowadays. You um, know, none of the journalists took off their shoes when they came into the house. Yeah, it was like they, they did doff their like caps. Uh, <laughs> it, they, they did not leave their cards with intention to call. <laughs> <laughs> It is they sad, simply though. addressed me directly. It yeah. just isn't done. <laughs> they, uh, they, but but um, it is very sad that apparently this experience, um, you know, um, caused um, Dennis uh, Cordry to start declining in health at the spry young age of eighty-seven. <laughs> yeah, because that's. That's another another element of the film is uh, Jonathan King kind of like tots up this body count uh, caused by these uh, these spurious allegations. Like he pretty yeah. much accuses the police of of you know indirectly killing a bunch of friends of his. Yeah. Um, what Which is okay. Like if you're old, like and you're being you know like the cops are bothering you, like yeah, that's like and you know let let's not. Let's not say like, oh, you know, the police would never drive anyone to, you know, sickness or suicide or anything like that. Like, you know, the the police are often very bad. But again, it's like the guy's fucking 87 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was another one. Um, and this is another irritating thing about like trying to research this for this episode. Like you can't find a lot of info 
about these people. Just like the most like glancing, um, the most glancing references, you know, like uh, Jonathan King talks about, you know, again, one of the people he, you know, claims was basically offed by the cops was his friend Rob Randall, who committed suicide. Um, Apparently he was a pirate radio DJ. That's all I can tell you about this person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was that guy who I think was one of Dennis's, like, what is it, like a foster child or like a nephew or something? Um, yeah, there's a quick insert shot of a little boy, like a framed photo of a, of a little boy. And this was apparently someone who was cared for, again, like as you say, like a, maybe fostered by Dennis Corday. He's only addressed by the name... Liam. They don't yeah. mention a last name or anything like that. But they say that, I guess, he was questioned by police. Um, and, you know, King makes the point, like, you know, he didn't come forward with allegations. Like, the police went to him and said, oh, we got an anonymous tip. Another tidbit that I found out about Jonathan King and, like, his habit of just dying on the wrong hill. He was one of the people who got really mad at Sinead O'Connor when she tore up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. Well, um... Jonathan King and the Catholic Church do have similar interests in small children. <laughs> so he probably saw the Pope as a as a kindred spirit. And like I'll say this all fucking day. Like Sinead was right and she took a titanic amount of shit for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Frank Sinatra said that he wanted to kick her ass. You know, this is how mad people were at Sinead O'Connor. You know, okay, somebody who is literally in a fucking Magdalene laundry you know, and who understood this stuff firsthand, you know, she said that the Catholic Church was like a hotbed of child sexual abuse. Oh my gosh, guess what? She was right. Who'd have thunk it? Well, you know, what are we supposed to do? And Listen mind to a you, bald like, woman? <laughs> and you know, mind you, like, um, this, you know, and I feel like, you know, Jonathan King has this attitude of like, oh, you know, the world's gone mad these days and, you know, anybody can just accuse anybody of being a pedophile, you know. But this was back in, like, 1991. Mm, yeah. Which is, like, post, um, you know, I believe that the real intense awareness of the pervasiveness of child sexual abuse really started in the 80s. Um... So, you know, people were aware of it, but, you know, like the environment of 1991 is very different from the environment of 2018. So it definitely wasn't talked about. Certainly nobody was like, and, you know, that was the Pope that everyone liked, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. John Paul II. It's, it's, uh, looking back, I mean, it wasn't, it was, I mean, what Satana did was an amazingly brave and lonely stand. And um, what I I remember seeing that on Saturday Night Live and not really grasping what was happening. Um, But in years since, um, I also remember seeing this following week Saturday Night Live. And in the years since, realizing, yeah, Joe Pesci is the biggest piece of shit in the world. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Well, was there anything else you wanted to say about Dennis Corday? I will say one other thing about Dennis. Um, and not not specifically about Dennis, but that whole interview sequence is very weird because it's mm-hmm. just filming Dennis talking. And every so often it'll cut away to Jonathan King, I guess, as kind of being like an interviewer. Now, but it doesn't have him asking questions or anything. And it isn't – he seems to be in a completely different room 
lit like differently. So I feel like they just were like splice this in to make it look like you're talking together, but it'll just be Dennis talking and Jonathan King kind of like smugly staring at the camera kind of blankly like he's, you know, not I don't know, it's weird. And well, I Well, yeah, because I, it looks like um I'm pretty confident that most of this was shot on a mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, he's probably shooting this on a phone or if I'm being generous like maybe he has like a handy cam or something like that and when he's shooting the interview with uh, Dennis Corday like um, you know he's sitting like you know Dennis Corday is sitting which makes sense like you interview people who are sitting down because it's comfortable and also the guy's old as hell so you know he needs to sit down but he's shooting him like from like a high angle like he's standing and like shooting him from above like he couldn't get maybe like opposite him and sit in another chair or something. <laughs> now I know that um, houses and things tend to be very small in the UK, so maybe this is a room with a single chair. But like that's still <laughs> that's still very weird. <laughs> like because it and it's not really how you do a head up interview. <laughs> like you know, like usually you tend to shoot across from someone who is seated, and you know. Yeah. You, you know, but these are uh, most of these interviews are informal to say the least. Actually, is that the only interview? Oh no, he does interviews with a couple other randos. I think throughout the film, I, I don't remember who any of the other people are though. They were just. Well, kind I of... looked up. I looked up one guy um, whose name is Alex Day, who I I didn't know who the hell he was, um, but it turns out he is a disgraced uh, YouTube musician. Oh, that's great. That's so... the, that's the best kind. So, yeah. So, so, so it's like, uh, is there any other kind of YouTube celebrity other than the disgraced guy? <laughs> what did I mean, he do? Uh, there were allegations of him abusing his girlfriends, which he he actually copped to. He said like that he had actually done it. Oh, um, well, I I guess. <laughs> Man, you know, it's funny, because on one hand, I'm like, It's weird oh. that he'd be friends with Jonathan King, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's like, huh, what is, what a... Well, you know, he is very young, though, so... Well, yeah, at first I assumed that he was, again, one of his protégés, because, you know, like, that's that's what he did in the first Vile Pervert, is that he had, he gave time to musicians and singers that uh, I guess he's cultivating. Yeah. Um, Maybe... And, you know, not, to be fair, not all young men there were also young women in there yeah like in this one there was that one young woman who did that one song about like being up french on facebook oh uh, yeah like uh i uh, i love you beaucoup or whatever yeah Je um, <laughs> yes the one the song that sounded exactly like snoopy versus the red baron um <laughs> she was cute though so you know um yeah like you know um I and you know she had a perfectly creditable voice and you know she's a girl so I assume that that you know King isn't molesting her but um, <laughs> like uh, th there was another song where they had two girls singing I you know again another rejected Eurovision song oh, and was that the fa the the cell phone song or no it was uh, I oh don't... was it the one where it was all like uh, you broke my heart but I knew you would or something. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I'm over you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's a song with the two girls singing, and in the chorus, the one girl is singing harmony, but she is so off key. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought you were a music producer, dude. Like you can't 
hear how bad this sounds like and i am not i am not a musician and i sing on pitch maybe on a good day like 80 percent of the time and even i could hear it uh, well you know maybe it was like it was a charity project so they're like yeah it's good enough you know yeah so i don't know oh my god okay i so we've I think we've covered like a pretty good chunk of the movie. Um, but let me talk about the end <laughs> where, or, you know, near the end, he brings up probably Jonathan King brings up his most famous protégés, uh, Genesis. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has footage of himself at Charterhouse and, you know, his former school, which is where, um, all the guys in Genesis went, and that's where they formed their little band. Now, the thing with Genesis is that uh, Jonathan King, quote-unquote, discovered them. He got a tape of the band's songs, and he was most impressed by the singer, who was, of course, Peter Gabriel. Um, now, if you know anything about Genesis, you know that they were, in the Peter Gabriel era, were like prog monsters of the 70s, one of the best and best-known progressive rock bands so when they started moving away from pop and more into prog, Jonathan King lost interest in them. I thought it was just because they were getting older, but, you know, mm. um, he, he preferred, like, more pop-type music. Um, but before that, they recorded an album called From Genesis to Revelation, which I think is somewhat deprecated by the band. Um, like, they rightly see it as kind of you know, embryonic, like, you know, this was us, like, in, in very naive days, so, you know, it's not the best kind of thing. But also, Jonathan King owns the rights to it. So, to that end, he has reissued it, like, 16 fucking times, because, like, anytime he perceives, like, a spike of interest in it, like, he'll put out a reissue of it. So, and I think, I, I, I don't know the album that well, and I don't know if it's a song. I assume maybe it's a song from from Genesis to Revelation because he owns the rights to it, so he can put it in his video. <laughs> um, not that he seems to know or care much about copyright as it applies yeah. to visual media, because it's. I'm pretty sure that. I mean, I know people do it, but I don't think you can just like take photos that you googled and like put them in your internet video. But you know, he fucking does it anyway. Yeah. Um. So he plays this. Uh, proto Genesis song, you know, over like pictures of the young Peter Gabriel. No, um, the young Peter Gabriel. We, and like he puts, he repeats the photo several times of like, uh, he, like he cannot be older than 20, certainly. I, I bet Peter, Peter Gabriel is really thrilled about his association <laughs> with this film. No. And that's the other thing is like, I cannot find much of the members, any of the members of Genesis talking about him, except to say like, well, you know, he kind of has a bad reputation now, but he gave us our start. Um, like, none of them alluded to him do pulling anything funny with them, which is, you know, that's, that's good, I guess. <laughs> um, I do recall Peter Gabriel talking about actually being abused by a group of boys while he was at school. I would have to confirm that, but I do recall him saying that. He did not say that it was Jonathan King, though. Um, but the whole thing just strikes me as, like, so, like, 
emblematic of Jonathan King because it's so opportunistic. Like, you know, I need to fill out my movie. So here's some footage of me at my old school, and here's some music that I have the rights to, and here's some photos of the famous singer that I was associated with before he was famous, but here he is. Like, it is, it is just so, again, it is, you know, self-promoting in that way of like, you know, just kind of inserting himself, like, hey, like, this band's like super famous, like, guess what, I started them, you know, like, yeah. I'm like a super successful, famous producer, you know, and like, it is just so, I'm like, man, this is so, like, just emblematic of this guy, just this, and, you know, that's, admittedly, that's how people succeed often in creative fields and start making money, is they are relentless self-promoters. Yeah. Well, remember that... But it's, that, it's uh, so crass, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, remember that, as we learned in the original Vile Pervert, that he hates uh, um, McDonald's and Burger King, the only thing he likes is its last name. He likes, yes. He likes this. He's likes the second name of Burger King. Yeah. Cause he's like, he like, like, um, he goes like, I can just imagine Jonathan King is out like just in a bout and he sees a Burger King. And he's going to point at it and be like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> me IRL, you know, it's just, it's or just, so... just anything that reminds him of himself. He's like, Oh, it's me. It's, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What he's really is just like, like you said, he's he's he is a relentless, um, you know, um, self promoter, and you know that that's that's his thing. But yeah, it is incre- it is incredibly grating uh, yeah. to listen to this guy talk <laughs> because he isn't exactly, you know, that's the thing is like this sort of person, they they kind of thrive in a very particular environment. You know, like um, or environments, I should say, is you know, like like um, you know, being behind the scenes music producer. You know, because right. you don't you don't see them too much, and you don't deal with them that much when you think about it. You deal with them in small increments. When you get like an hour and a half of them just talking at you, it, that <laughs> any charm that they might have had just like fades away really fast, and you're just left with. Jesus Christ, you know. Um, yeah. Well, no dude, wonder guy... what. Sorry. Oh, so this guy will not shut up. Yeah, it's no like. I mean, you know, it's like no wonder that he has to lure people with pornography because you know he's not doing it with his personality. But anyway, well, that's, what um, that's probably what he's doing now. He's like luring people into his his flat with like you know with like <laughs> with uh you know skin bags, and once they're in, he locks the door and just talks with them for like an hour about the grave injustice that's been done to him by you know the stupid but cunning police. And well, um, and it's it is uh, also true, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna phrase this very generically. You know, so it's not to get in trouble. Um, in the case of famous people, uh, quite often people are drawn to them and afraid to inform on them because they themselves are hoping to be famous or are hoping to make a career. True. So I would think that uh, certain people in a particular industry might kind of capitalize on that in order to draw people in. You know, hey, like, I'm very well known in my field and I can maybe help you with your career. Yeah. You're just, just saying. Um, 
And jumping off of one thing that you said, because a phrase that you use, um, you know, particular environment, you know, for like a producer or something like that. There's a really gross thing Uh that Jonathan King puts in during the the Genesis song part of the film. Um, I think I think it's a photo of the school, you know, kind of the staid, typical English public school looking like something out of a Lindsay Anderson movie or something. (laughs) And he puts he puts a caption on it that says, have you noticed how many falsely accused encourage the young teachers, vicars, priests, sports coaches? Oh, mm, and he says mm, it is almost as though the devil is targeting those who help the young. Huh, mm, <laughs> mm, oh. I was just trying to help these people. I was just trying to help them with their career. And it's so disingenuous of him because the reason that allegations are made about these people is often that they are opportunistic like people go into the field because they know their charges are vulnerable yeah well yeah and it's it's like look 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 we know if you want to fuck dogs you become a veterinarian (laughs) if you want to fuck corpses you become a mortician if you want to fuck children you go where the children are. I mean, <laughs> you, you start know. a teen disco. Yeah, you know, it's where they only serve coffee and coke. <laughs> can you imagine, like that? It kind of cracks you up, like the coffee thing, because you can you imagine all these wired kids running around, just like hopped up on caffeine. That sounds great. Oh, I bet, <laughs> I bet they loved it. I bet it was a very popular spot. Just, gr- just yeah. I just love <laughs> when he says that, like no alcohol, just coffee and coke. And I just imagine, like, yeah. It's just this, this like, incredibly boring fucking disco. Uh, <laughs> where, yeah, well, and, well, and it's it's fatuous, too, because it's like, like yes, like, alcohol is often a facilitator of bad behavior, but, like, it's not a requirement. Yeah. Well, I just like, imagine, like, someone comes in like, hey, buddy, wink, wink, can I get some, you know, booze? And they're all like, oh, so we don't serve that in this establishment. Leave this the- instant. Yeah, but, you know, if you go to the back room, like, there might be a guy in there who can help you out. You didn't oh, hear yeah. from me, though. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll you go in the back room and like, hi, welcome here. Where are you? Maybe you can look at some pornography first. Um, <laughs> maybe just for fun, you know, and uh, we'll look at some of these, uh, um, or whatever. I was trying to think of a, a British <coughs> porno thing, but I couldn't think of it. Basically, the lesson that I want people to draw from it is if, and I hope they also drew it from the vile pervert episode that was I believe episode 7 of the show is that Jonathan King's attitude towards victims and I don't mean victim industrial complex yes what he calls the false allegations industry is just completely disgusting Um, I don't think and he occasionally pays lip service to oh real victims of abuse but I don't think he believes in any of that like nope. I legitimately don't I, I don't think that he doesn't see anything wrong with anything that, that he did and his view of people who come forward to report their own abuse is that they are doing it strictly for money or attention yeah well Which yeah he does I say oh sorry I was gonna say like I don't 
I don't understand how you can look at how alleged victims are treated and think like, yeah, man, they're cleaning up. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a guy who goes to bat for Jimmy Seville. So, I mean, he's not, he's, yeah, (laughs) he's not, I I don't think he's, uh, he's not genuous. He's, he's the opposite of that. And, you know, there are a couple of times in the, in the film or at least once where he, alludes to like his massive residual checks. He's like, oh yeah, I get five figure checks like all the time for music that I worked on. Um, so I wonder if it's just this like rich person thing of like, oh man, like everyone's just out to take my money, you know? Yeah. Well, my- like because he certainly seems to have um, resources. And I mean, he certainly brags about his wealth, you know, like yeah. he can't buy a decent fucking microphone to record audio but you know like he he's like oh yeah i'm like rolling in it you know he certainly can afford legal counsel yeah (laughs) well you know being rich makes you fucking insane so yeah (laughs) i mean it kind of fits i think yeah like i just don't yeah and i don't know do like do we even need to make the point to the audience like how gen let's say unrewarding it is to be a quote-unquote victim or to be like let's say like a plaintiff and like a a sexual abuse case yeah well because on and on top of everything else um you know uh that that i'm sure that we all know the um the way the world treats you know um sexual abuse victims especially when they are accusing you know people in position people of positions of wealth and power and you know very often um popularity um but on top of all the bad things that happen to you you also get portrayed um in a jonathan king movie as like a a weirdo with a giant like uh boil yeah Um, which is from the original Vile Pervert. He doesn't do that in this one, but... Um... Yeah, another very distasteful thing that he did in the original film, which is, like, he depicted accusers as just these, like, clods. Yeah. Um, and it's like, but, I mean, to be fair, it did make the original Vile Pervert more interesting to watch. Um, yeah, like, again, this this sequel doesn't have the just insane quality of the original where he's dressing up and playing different characters. I mean, it's in the service of something totally fucked up, but... Yeah. But, like... I mean, at least the original one has him dressed up like Oscar Wilde and singing about how it's okay to bugger boys. And this one, it's just him, like, you know, badgering us every so often about being bored. And it's like, well, you know, you are the person who made this movie. It is your job to entertain an audience and it's not our job to be entertained if you're going to be boring. So, you know, that's on you, Jonathan King. Uh, Yeah. Like he doesn't, um, he doesn't make his case all that well and he's not entertaining. No. Like I, I, in the original vile pervert, I was, I didn't feel like he made his case in that one either, but you know, it was such an anomaly. I found it worth talking about. Yeah. The music was good, you know? Yeah, and in this one, like the like the first song in this one, it's just like with the where that one where the chorus is, we need individual accountability. And oh they fuck yeah! That phrase like <laughs> seventy thousand times. Like, what was wait? So so I think I might have missed it. What was the uh, what was the point of that song? Something the, about individual uh, something. The, 
The point, Mike, is that we need individual accountability. Oh! Which is... Oh! Which is a weird thing to say because another... um, Relating to something else that he says later where he mentions, I think it's criminal trials we need. I assume he wants criminal trials for either people who bring false accusations or people who... Uh, in the police who are not ethical People in their investigations. Not yeah, but it's like, okay, so you just spent, like, you're about to spend an hour and a half tearing down the British justice system because you think it sucks, but, like, oh, well, they need to bring these people to account. It's like how, for him, the British press sucks unless he's making a point with a screen cap of a headline about a friend of his who was cleared of of rape allegations. It's like, that's totally factual. Yeah. Well, yeah, the same thing, like, in this, where when the judge, like, basically says, um, yeah, this uh, throws out, you know, the the case against him, and he reads that, and he's like, this is a case, this is good, this judge is good. Which is funny, because, again, and that's the um, the Enrique's report, Mm -hmm. um, which is a weird name for a a British judge, but okay. Uh, Sir Richard... Enriquez, who wrote a report uh, that was very critical of um, the investigation that nabbed Jonathan King, among others. In the report, the judge specifically praises Operation U-Tree, which, you know, King apparently thinks is spurious because, you know, oh, Jimmy Savile didn't do anything, but the the judge that he praises to the skies seems to think that it was a rigorous and fair-minded investigation. Is that cherry picking? I don't, I don't know all my, uh, yeah, that, my that's, yeah, internet argument much. talking points. Yeah, but... that's a no true Scotsman. No, it's, I believe it is cherry picking. Uh, I don't know. Let me, let me just quickly check. Um, let me just check um, uh, Rationalopedia. Uh, ra- <laughs> sorry, Rational Wiki. I want the rationalopedia. The rational pedophilia, more like. <laughs> oh, got him. Zing! I, do, I still got I do it. Like, I do like Rational Wiki. That's actually an interesting site. I liked it because they put me on there at one point. And like Jonathan <laughs> King looking at the Burger King sign, I like things that reference me. <laughs> Why did they talk about you on Rational Wiki? I, I was... Uh, I was um, one of my cartoons got on there for making fun of Gamergate. Oh, tight! Yeah, so that was <laughs> that was cool. Um, <laughs> I, I think the I think someone wiped the page though, so I don't think you can see it anymore. So now oh, I don't care about sucks. them anymore. Um, you know, I couldn't recommend Vile Pervert. I did not find it pleasant to watch. But Mike, what are your assessments of Vile Pervert and its sequel? Uh, okay, well, um, I, this is going to be problematic. Uh, <laughs> Mike is canceled. You are already canceled. <laughs> Vile Pervert, the musical, is a bad movie. It is poorly made. Um, it's, it's, um, disgusting in what it's, you know, it's trying to t- get across. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that anyone who wants to watch it should be prepared to feel really icky afterwards. So I'll, Obviously, if there's anyone who, you know, might be, you know, triggered by talk about, you know, sexual abuse or um, listening to an abuser talk, um, they should probably steer clear of it. I would Um, absolutely say anybody with any kind of experience 
first or second hand yeah. of, of abuse should avoid. I think, though, the original Vile Pervert, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's entertaining in a train wreck sort of way. Because um, you know, there's so much. Yeah. It's so much is happening in it that you don't really have time to get bored. Uh, and the music slaps. I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, yeah, like, and let's let's also make that point because um, <laughs> I like, and this is something that I have a little bit of a pet peeve about, um, like on social media, is that when, and let me know if you agree, mm-hmm. is when somebody is canceled quote unquote you know like some artist is found out to be a horrible human being there's always somebody who's like well you know they weren't that good anyway yeah yeah like oh like louis ck like wasn't even funny (laughs) and it's like i you know i was not a fan of louis ck like i didn't you know i'm i like i'm more of a maria bamford Patton oswalt person when if i listen to any stand-up but i was like oh yeah like louis ck like he's a funny guy he's a talented guy He's a disgusting person. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I even have, I have let even less of an inclination to like partake of his art, but now, but you know, I'm not going to say like, he sucks or like, okay. Like, um, somebody who's been showing his ass all over Twitter lately, uh, Graham Linehan who wrote, uh, it crowd and father Ted. Yeah. Um, again, like the guy is scum. He's trash, but I saw somebody, online saying well, you know father ted isn't that funny and i was like you take that the fuck back uh yeah actually father ted is good um it just was at the time we didn't realize that the episode where father ted is being racist against chinese we were <laughs> supposed to actually like sympathize with father ted in that you know <laughs> and be like that is a man who's been wronged i'm just glad that there's is it there isn't there isn't a father ted episode that has anything to do with trans people is there <laughs> like, i just Not... i don't want to know Oh, not to my knowledge. Because believe... there is an I there is an IT crowd episode with a trans woman in it, and it's it's uh, yeah, like watching it now, you're like, oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, like like no, like Father Ted was funny, you know, and people who are incredibly talented can also be horrible human beings. You don't have to like their art. It's okay to say like I don't want to engaged with anything that they made i understand that but you know like to say and I, i'm not gonna call it like a trap you know the and jonathan king says oh it's such a tragedy that people have had their careers ruined by false allegations like i would say that it's a tragedy that someone would mar an illustrious career by being so evil in their personal life uh yeah well yeah <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna make like some like uh smart ass uh comment there but yeah pretty much yeah but uh, i i interrupted you to make that point about um you know uh oh um i was gonna say so yeah uh, the original vile pervert you know it's i think it's entertaining if you're if you like seeing things that are like bad it's not really like the sort of bad you'd watch with friends and riff on it's just kind of a you know it just you watch it and you just kind of like uh i guess it's like watching something like you know ben stein's documentary where you just want to get mad (laughs) like you can watch it um (laughs) otherwise you could watch the the music 
just on its own without see well actually no like some of it's kind of cool and like like a lot of it's also so badly done it becomes like a, a tim and eric sketch almost because you've got things like silver stove bits <laughs> so that's actually so there's something you know certain people i think could get something out of it um but the sequel is just there's just no point there's nothing entertaining about it um he's not even trying at this point it's pathetic it's it's just sad um i know that on have you seen this we tend to cultivate a particular type of trash <laughs> like um you know we and we cast kind of a wide net on the show um and we like to talk about things that were unfairly maligned and fairly maligned <laughs> would you say that's this is a movie that we can fairly malign. I think so. Um, I I think that it, you should only really watch it if you're a Jonathan King completist, and <laughs> you really just want to get everything you know created by the maestro. I suppose. Can uh, you imagine? I mean, I know that um, like there are people who still stand for like Michael Jackson, and in fact, like as I was researching the show today, a uh, news item came up about. A, uh, I think it was a, a documentary that just showed at Sundance where uh -huh. they speak to a couple of the uh, complainants against Michael Jackson and apparently it's really brutal and graphic like to the point where they actually had counselors in the lobby Jeez. in case anybody wow. needed to talk. I guess the accusers are very frank about what happened to them. Um, but Michael Jackson was like a titanic figure in music and obviously Jonathan King has been very successful but he's a little bit of a footnote. Yeah. Um but I know that through researching the show I know that there are people who will stand him, you know, like they'll leave comments on his on his YouTube one of his two YouTube accounts. It's probably just him like logging in on different accounts. <laughs> do you think he knows how to do that? Do you think he knows how to make sock puppets? That's probably why he has two YouTube accounts. They just comment on each other. You know, he probably I feel like he just couldn't log in to the old one and so he just got mad <laughs> the new one. like he's like, I don't remember I don't remember the bloody password. <laughs> You know, the important thing is that it gets posted so everybody can see my truth, you know. <laughs> but you know, he makes some points that are truthful, but it's basically in service to himself. Mm, yes. I feel like he wouldn't care about the injustice of the British legal system if he hadn't been caught up with it. Let's put it that well, way. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, so there is that. Mike, is there anything else that you want to say about The Truth Awakens? Uh, skip it, you know. <laughs> Wait for it yeah, to come out on video. It. It's really not. Wait for Redbox it, you know. It's not really <laughs> Don't Don't I mean, bother going to theaters for this one. <laughs> really, the reason that I wanted to, to cover this is because, I don't know, I'm going, my God, this guy is still a thing. Like... Let me put it this way. The guy is still on Twitter proclaiming his innocence. I don't know if it's true, as alleged on the Crazy Days and Nights gossip site, that he is still trolling for Underage Strange. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to reveal his handle on, on Twitter. Um, <laughs> is it, it's, is, it's just Jonathan King, isn't it? No, no, no. Oh, like, okay. He is on there. Like he has a website. He has he has websites for different movies that he's made, uh, including Vile Pervert. There's another one called Pink Marble Egg. Um, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> well, I hope it has a flared base. <laughs> it vibrates. I mean, that's 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 what that's that's what it is, isn't it? That's what it's about. I don't know anything about this actual movie, but I like... have no idea because honestly, I don't want to find out. Like, I'm kind of done talking about this guy. <laughs> when I when I started to do the research for this, I was like, oh god, like I fully regret this because I don't want to spend an hour and a half with this man. But well, this movie only has one star on uh, IMDb. Oh, wait a second. The people have spoken. Uh, so apparently the summary, JK was a successful singer, writer, and music producer. As a Cambridge undergraduate, he was also recruited into Britain's biggest and most secret services. In 2013, he's asked to go back and find a killer who's planning to destroy parts of the establishment. So he's basically Jonathan King, but he's a spy. Wait, this is Pink Marble Egg? Yes. (sighs) Jesus. I assume there's music in this one, too. I assume it's a musical. Um, probably. I guess that's some. Well, maybe that's something else to watch on the podcast at some point. Uh, <laughs> please, God, no! <laughs> thanks for coming on, Mike. I appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs> thanks for having me.